Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton. You know what's really important to me when I do business with a company is trust and transparency. I've been telling you now for a good while about my buddy Damon Burton and his company, SEO National, because trust and transparency are just as important to them. You know, for the last 15 years in the search engine optimization space, they have been leading the way and serving people tremendously well. Now, for those of you that don't know what SEO is, it stands for search engine optimization. It helps you show up higher on Google searches so that folks that are looking for what you have find you quicker. And you know what's really encouraging? More revenue, more sales, growing your business. Do me a favor, get in touch with Damon and his team today at SEO National at 855-736-6285 or go to seonational.com and get your free quote and tell him you heard it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I hope you're ready because here comes a dynamite conversation on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. I have a dynamic person on the Intentional Encourager podcast. He's a consultant. He's a mindset coach, a speaker. He helps entrepreneurs. If I could talk, we'd be okay. He helps entrepreneurs get unstuck and level up to a new impact. He's also the author of the book, Less is the New More. We're going to talk about that, tell you his powerful story. We're going to get into a lot of things. Buckle up, folks. I've got Chris Lee on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Chris, how are you doing today? I am great, Brian. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that great intro. I hope I live up to it during this um, episode. Well, listen, if you if you don't stumble over the word entrepreneur, if you don't stumble through and fumble through like I just <laughs> yeah. did with that introduction, you'll be just fine. So don't worry about it. You know, it's 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 all good. Hey, Chris, let's start here. And I've been starting here intentionally for the last almost two years now, because, again, we're, we're still in the midst of this this pandemic, this whatever it is and all this different variants. Take me through the last 20 months or so for you personally, professionally. How's that been for you? And is there a lesson that you have taken out of the last 20 months, almost two years now, that you will carry forward once this pandemic is over? So, so yeah, a great topic, a topic that continues to be topical, unfortunately. So a couple of lessons in that. So when this started, around the beginning of it, I was planning on ramping up my, my speaking, taking my message on the road, little stages, you know, getting involved in more conferences and things. And guess what? The pandemic hit and live events went to zero, right? So that was a, definitely a, a big impact. And, you know, people did some virtuals, but it wasn't the same. And, you know, people were getting fatigued by Zooms and all that. So. That was quite a big shift for me and other people, you know, in in the business of what I do. Yeah. And so that was an impact for me. And so I had to decide to, you know, to deal with it, to make some pivots, to um, kind of get out of my 
own head. And that's one of the things I did was to not so much worry about, make a decision not to worry about the impact of me so much, but what was happening in the world around me and to other people. Well, Chris, and you've so, got that, you've got yeah. a picture behind you. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, mm -hmm. I love what you said there. And I had to jump in because you've got a picture behind you. This is mindset is everything. Mm. It's, it's it? mindset is everything. Yeah. yeah. You, if you're watching yeah. on YouTube, you can, you can see that. Love and if you're it. listening, that poster. You, yeah. And mindset is, and that's a great thing. How were you able to adjust your mindset? Because you just, you just mentioned you ramped up, you, you were, you, you know, 2020, you're just full speed ahead. And then all of a sudden you're ramping down. What right. did it, did, did your mindset how did your mindset change? Because, again, I, I, I know for me personally, I, I was a road warrior. I was gone, you know, a couple nights a week, just focused on I'm going to go here, I'm going to go here, I'm going to stay here, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna... And then all of a sudden, you know, my company sends out an email and says, hey, guess what? We're working from home for, for you know, right. there's no timetable. How did your mindset change? And was there something that happened in that mindset that surprised you? Because and the reason I ask is, is Chris, is I think a lot of times there are, are thoughts that comes into our mind and, and it kind of surprises us that that thought creeps into our mind, whether it's positive or negative. There's a thought that creeps yep. into our mind and you go, I, I, where did that come from? Did you ever have those kind of moments where, where something crept into your mindset and kind of surprised you a little bit through that time? Yeah, absolutely. And let me start by saying what I was seeing over time with other people, because as you know, it started out and we were going to flatten the curve, right? And it was going to be a couple of weeks and maybe a couple of months and that deadline kept moving. And at first my thought was, well, I mean, you know, you're, you're at home watching Netflix. How bad is it really? Okay. But then as you know, so some people were impacted earlier complaining. It's hey, okay, we just binge watch Cobra Kai. So, I mean, we, we just binge watched oh, the wow. new season of Cobra Kai. So I, I totally yeah, get I the Netflix it. thing. Right. So like, you know, at first it's like, okay, you know, I think we can manage this. Right. But then I could see over time, not just, I could see the impact on other people, the impact on, on the caregivers and the people that were, let's say, picking up the load for others who weren't working or, or needed, you know, the care to take care of themselves. And I started to see how much it was really profoundly impacting normally, uh, you know, stoic and strong people and the people who are used to take care of others. And so I wanted to make sure I supported those people as well, because a lot of times they're taken for granted and they seem strong and, and you don't get that they're suffering on the inside. So, so that was, that was an insight that I got. And, uh, to go back to your question, uh, what was surprising? So I, I'm a, you know, practical person. I, my book is a lot about productivity and so forth. And I like you know, getting things done and so forth. Um, mindset's a huge part of that now too. But I didn't uh, it set out to be as motivational as I've been in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I, I love the you know, the uh, title of your podcast, The Intentional Encourager. I was kind of an unintentional encourager in some ways. So I was helping people, okay, you know, get past their blocks and so forth. But I found out that so many people needed motivation and I found out from them in ways 
where I was just kind of doing it. I'm like, okay, here's here's a post, you know, some motivation, and I would get like a private message that you know, thank you so much for that. I really needed yeah. that today. I'm like, yeah. oh wow, that you know, to I just thought it was. Doesn't that yeah, happen right? though? When you, yeah. I love what you said there about being an unintentional encourager because, again, and I've told people this, Chris, is that. Yes, I believe encouragement does need to be intentional. But there are times when you can just just put something out encouraging and you don't know how people are going to take it. You don't know. Mm-hmm. You may be intending it for one set of people. And somebody else picks it up just kind of like, okay, well, it just kind of came to me. You know, you might have intended the message for somebody but somebody else gets it. And I love what you said. Forgive me for, for jumping in. I, I love that because whether it's intentional or whether it's unintentional, the fact that you chose to encourage people it is, is just tremendous. And that's the goal is, is choosing to encourage people. I want to jump back for a minute. When you were talking about the impact of people who carry the load, your book, and we'll dive more into your book, Less is the New More, but it seems like those people were taking on more and more and more and more and more. They, they, they weren't getting that break of less. Like They weren't getting that break of less work, less responsibility. They were just continuing to take on more and more and more and more. When you think about how you were, you were thinking about those people, what was the encouragement that you were intentional with in that moment? Because you, you know, you're talking about the unintentional encouragement, and that's fantastic. But I got to believe that you were intentional as well, too, in trying to lift those people who seemed to be burdened down with that load they were carrying. Absolutely. So a couple of things. So one of the things that I encourage is, is downtime in some way, some form. And even people that hear that and know it, they don't necessarily do that. And it's, it's hard to do. I mean, you can say, yeah, you know, take some time for yourself. And someone will say, well, you know, I've got working all day. I've got kids. I'm taking care of everyone. I can't do it. It's like, well, you can't afford not to. And so I I try to help people get that, you know, they need to carve out some of that time, work with their, their people, their family say, Hey, please, I need some time. Uh, give me this hour or whatever, you know, and, and do some of the morning rituals, you know, even if you have to wake up before other people, take some time for yourself and, and, and get your head in a good place because, you know, because I know the, the load isn't going away. And s- some of the things that I, you know, talk about in, in my book or my practices are harder to do in the pandemic. Okay. I get that. Uh, they still work and they still help, but they just got harder, especially for those people who are taking on the extra load that they don't normally have. So the other thing that um, I try to encourage my clients or people, and uh, I know that you're a sports fan from uh, from your podcast, and I'll tell you up front, I'm not the biggest sports expert, but I do love watching football. And, and there are some good lessons there you to go. learn from that there you go. too. Yeah, yeah. Now, now we're talking. Now, now we're, we're talking. talking. Yeah, that, that's that's all right. Cool. You know, so what? So you. I'd love. I'm now. I'm now. I'm as a, as though mm-hmm. I wasn't already all in. Now I'm even mm-hmm. more focused because you're going to drop some football on us. That's awesome. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> okay. So one of the lessons that you can easily get from from football is stay in the game. Okay, and. 
you know, and you've seen this many times in, in football games where the score gets reversed in the last couple minutes or even in overtime. And it feels like, you know, Tom Brady does that five times a season, right? Yeah. <laughs> you think it's over with and yeah. they turn it around. So, so staying in the game, even when it's hard, is is some encouragement and help that I intentionally give people. It's like, okay, I know it's rough. I'm not going to tell you it's not, but stay stay in the game, stay in the game, uh, and, and also trust the process because you know you can't. There's no guarantee that that you, that you win, but if you don't stay in the game and you drop out, you're guaranteed to miss out or, or to lose, right? Well, let's so, park there a second. Let's let's park there yeah. a second because. As a Cincinnati Bengals fan, as we record this, this past Sunday, the Bengals were down three times in, in the game to Kansas mm-hmm. City. They were and, and three of those times, they were down by 14 points. They were down 14 to nothing. They were down wow. uh, 21 to 7. And they were down 28 to 14. Three times in that game, two touchdowns, they were behind. They come back and win the game 34-31. And, and the reason I say that is, is as, as a Bengals fan, Chris, there were times when that team, when they got down the first time by 14, they would have been buried. They would have been done. It would have been like, all right, let's find something else to watch or let's find something to do. And, uh, well, maybe it's not their day, something like that. And I love what you said there. You said two things really, really powerful. Number one, when a team gets down, if they go, you know what, let's just go locker room. Let's just put the backups in. You know, this is a really good team we're playing. And, you know, you know, let's let's just let's just, you know, let's just pack it in. We don't want to get anybody hurt, things like that. And it's like, wait a minute. You still got 30 minutes of football left. There's a lot of time left in the game. And the second part is trusting the process. And and it and it comes down to just make one play. If you can make one play, you make another play. You make another play. And you mentioned Tom Brady. He's got incredible confidence that he's never out of a game. So let me let me take you there for just a minute before we sure. take a break. When you think about one instance, one play, and the confidence that you have to have in it, people that you work with and people that you coach – how do you get them to that mindset of just make one play, just make something happen positively? Because we know that the yeah. power of something, one thing happening can be a domino effect and it can lead to several good things happening. How do you get folks to, to shift their mindset to just think about making one play, so to speak? Yeah, and that's, uh, that's important at, at different levels. I'm a strong advocate of, of focus. I feel like you can do whatever you want, but you need laser focus along the way. Uh, so that, so I teach that at multiple levels, whether that's your to-do list for this morning or your plan for the next you know couple of months. And another version of what you said is um, kind of the you know the two-minute rule. And I forget who who came up with that, but and maybe it came from Atomic Habits. But it's okay. Just you know you don't feel you're not feeling at all. Okay, and you're going to have those days. You can have a lot of those days, right? But if you, okay, just just decide, just make a, a commitment to yourself. I mean, that's what I like to teach people. Make a commitment to yourself that you'll just do it for two minutes or that you'll do something. And so if you can do that, then to go back to your analogy, that's, 
that two minutes could lead to a whole hour of creative writing, whatever you're trying to do. But just don't make that big decision. Don't look too far ahead of you and get overwhelmed by you know, everything that you need to do. Start with that small action or that one play that you're talking about because everything could change from there. And also, you know, don't look back so much. Yeah. Which is easy to say and hard to do, but understand uh, in, in life and in football, okay, this happened, you know, it was a turnover or whatever, but that's done. What are you going to do now? Yeah. Well, keep looking forward because when you, when you get your head on back there, you're not here, where's where you need to be. And you don't want to be looking too far ahead. You're, you need to be mindful, get your head in the game of life or football, like right now where it is. And that's, what's important. Man, I love that. Getting your head in the game because, you know, there are a lot of times where guys will, I made a bad pass. I dropped, I dropped one and, and you, you have to, you know, that's what quarterbacks have to do. They have to have amnesia. They have to forget it. It's a, it's a next play mentality. Let's step aside, take a break because when we come back, I want to park on that concept that you just talked about the two minute rule. And, and, and there's obviously applications in football and things like that. I also, in this next segment, want to dive into Chris's book, Less is the New More. I want to talk about that a little bit. And then later on, I'm going to share Chris's powerful story with you. But I'm going to let him share it with you. My guest is mindset coach, speaker, author, Chris Lee. Joining me here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Come back in just a moment. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. The new year is upon us and you may be sitting there thinking, hey, I would really love to pay off some debt or I would like to save for that dream vacation. Maybe you want to buy a new car, whatever it is you want to do financially in the coming year. Let me give you a great piece of intentional encouragement and something to think about that might help you do it. Products for profit. Now, this is a course taught by my good friend, Joe Hart, who's been a guest on the Intentional Encourager podcast and has told his story how reselling changed his life. And you know what, folks? It could do the same thing for you too. It's really simple. Reselling is basically buying a product and then reselling it online for more money. And Joe is going to take you through the steps and show you how to do this either part-time or maybe as some of his students have done, take this full-time as well. Go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP. And oh, by the way, this group is going to help you find leads of products that are profitable right now, give you all kinds of great intentional encouragement, and you're going to be surrounded by a community of people that are going to want to see you be successful in the reselling game. Again, go to coachjoe89.gumroad.com backslash L backslash premium PFP and tell him you heard about it on the Intentional Encourager podcast. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Chris, before the break, we were talking about the two-minute rule. And when you were talking about that, and we were talking a little football, at the end of a half, there's the two-minute warning in professional football. And if a team has the ball in those two minutes, and, and no matter where they are in the field, they're running what they call a two-minute offense because they know it's time to get something done. And a two-minute offense is quick plays. It's, it's, it's up-tempo. It is, you know, they're, they're not, to John Wooden's point, you know, John Wooden used to say, be quick, but don't hurry. 
the legendary UCLA coach. Mm-hmm. Be quick, but don't hurry. But in the in the two minute drill, you call that the hurry up offense. Now you want to make sure you get lined up. You want to get set. You want to avoid mistakes, but you want to. You've got to go faster. There's a sense of urgency. When you apply, when when your clients and people you coach apply that two minute drill, how important is the sense of urgency in that two minute rule? It's a, it's part of it too. So there's um, it's a very great analogy, and we've seen what can happen in those two minutes. Um, as a cowboy fan. I've seen, unfortunately, how it can go wrong, sometimes two minutes before the half or the end of the game. So it takes a special kind of patience to be a Cowboys fan sometimes. But two aspects of what you said. So in that two minutes, the one is to just get started and do something. And the other is is a, an aspect of what I call time blocking. And there is a, there's a, a, um, a principle called uh, the Parkinson's Law, where the um, amount of time it takes to do something will fill in the space that you allow it. So this is an example of how that can work, right? So if you say, I'm gonna do something in two minutes, then you focus your intention on trying to get something done in that time. Mm-hmm. And this, this happens whether it's on a daily level or weekly or, or a whole year, right? I mean, you may take a project and you end up doing it in the last minute. You know, you, you do that report in the last minute, you do that paper in the last minute, whatever, right? If you just say, okay, I'm only going to give myself this much time and time box it, then you encourage yourself to, to get in the flow, to be focused, to make decisions quickly and stop second guessing and getting distracted and things like that. So it's a great question that really does, um, you know, bring in a lot of aspects of why that small increment of time can be so powerful. You know what I was thinking when you were talking about that, Chris, is, is that in a two minute drill, you're going to have times where things are not perfect. You're going to have a penalty, you're going to have a drop pass. You know, you, you may start the, the two minute drill, you get a holding penalty. Now it's first and 20 instead of first and 10. And it's how you overcome those mistakes to say, we're going to get something out of this two minutes. Whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, we want to get something out of this. And overcoming Mm -hmm. some of those negative things, because to your point about time blocking and focus, there are things that will happen. You'll make mistakes in that time block you won't be as sharp as you want to be in that time block, but it's not what happens in that two minutes. It's the end result, right? It's, it's, did we succeed in doing what we said we were going to do? And if we didn't succeed, can we go back and watch the film after the fact and say, where did we miss it? How can we get better? I've got one more question here that I want to, I want to take our conversation. I want to talk about your book. When you think about folks that have that ability to to compartmentalize and say, okay, I'm going to time block, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. What's the one thing that gets in the way that's preventable? So in other words, we, we line up, you know, you know, if, if, if we go out to try to hurry up, we can, we can lose, but, but, you know, in the, in those times, there's something that's preventable. What usually is the one thing that's preventable in, in time blocking in the two-minute rule? I would say that overcomplicating it is the thing that's solvable 
and an example of how you get in your own way. And so just again, just be, be content with the fact that you can get something done. Don't worry about if it's the best thing. And to your point, you can always, if it's, if it's football or something like, or even business, you can analyze it later, okay? Go back and look at it absolutely and learn from it. But make, do take actions and make the decisions. Don't worry about if they're the best decisions. It, it actually will be the best decision you can make in the time. So trust that what got you there is good enough in the moment to make the best decision you can at the time to take an action that you can. You're better off making a decision than sitting there making no decision. And, and why does that happen? So a couple of things. One is you, you overcomplicate whatever it is. You can overcomplicate a to-do list and make your life harder. And you're better off doing one thing. Um, there are people I, my, um, people I love and study that um, are really good at simplifying things. And like Gary Keller of Keller Williams, he has a whole book and system called The One Thing, right? So if you can pick the one thing to do that morning or that week or whatever, you are so much better off and it works out in the end so much more powerfully because you, you simplified it. You don't have to make two more decisions and so forth and get in your own way. And that is kind of a second or third thing for lost where I am, but that is another part of it too, is, is being in your own head. So, so many things that um, I try to advocate or encourage or help with is to get out of your head, at least at the time you're trying to do something. There's time for reflection later, but when you're there, you need to, to be in the flow. And whether it's, um, there's a variety of things you get into, whether it's shiny object or imposter syndrome or things like that. It's yeah. The solution is to get out of your head and into something else. And one of the most powerful ways to get out of your own head is think about who you're serving and how. Because when you make it about how you're trying to serve and who you're trying to serve, you get out of your own head so quickly. And that the same thing happens with gratitude exercises, right? But getting out of your own head and focusing on someone else, and it goes back to those like uh, caregivers. Yeah. So if you're, um, if you're a, um, an, an intentional person, not to overuse the word, no, you, but yeah. if you're somebody who uh, you know, cares about what you're doing, cares about serving, cares about other people, then you are going to commit to helping them and you, and you will help them or commit to helping them more than you might commit to helping yourself. Okay. So if you can, whether it's in a small moment or in a big way of a project is think about how you can serve the best or most powerfully, whether it's two minutes or an event or whatever, and you can quit more quickly, get out of your head and think about, okay, how am I going to, how am I going to serve best? Well, here's the thing that, and, and it's a great transition to talking about your book because a lot of people, when they make a to-do list, will say, I'm going to write down as many things as I have to get done, right? And they just keep adding more and more and more and more and more and more. And, and because if you stop and think about it, Everything that you need to do in a day is probably not physically possible to accomplish in a day, it, it, whether that's personally, whether that's professionally, things like that. So let's go here for a minute. How do you get people to think about lessening a to-do list 
rather than putting more things because that's the natural inclination right chris is is to put more things on the to-do list so that you know and probably if you if you've learned i came to doing to-do lists later in life my wife from the time we've been married 25 years she's always been that to-do list girl i had i had to grow into that i had to grow into i'm not I'm not getting, I'm not as productive as I want to be. And so how can I do this? But I always, my my own, my own flaw in that was feeling like I had to add more. Forgive me for that long-winded question, but how do you get people to think about less is the new more to to the, to the title of your book? Yeah. And, and the title of my book and I, I truly believe in it or the premise of it. And I've gotten more, you know, still getting more confirmation of that is that not only by doing less, can you have a better quality of life? You can actually get more done of what really matters. And so one of the ways you have to do that is to focus and do things that really matter. And so I mentioned the time blocking before. That's part of the solution because you have to, you learn to, to do uh, things like, okay, I'm going to commit to working on something important for the first hour of my day, preferably, or before the noise comes. And then I'll trust that that's enough. And then I'll go on and do the multitasking because multitasking is kind of evil. <laughs> I preach that, you know, a lot of studies have shown that it's not too productive, but you got to do it. Okay. I get that. But try to get your focus work done, let's say early, and then you have time for the multitasking. And then carve out time for your relationships and, and whatever else, right? Yeah. And so you have to trust that, okay, if I keep doing that, then the time I spend in that hour or two of creative work is enough. And over time, I will get there, okay? Uh, but the reality is, and if you think about the, if you've heard of the um, like urgent versus important matrix, right? We tend to do a lot of things that are urgent, but not terribly important, especially to your goals in the long term. So, you know, we all, we talk about like how much time you spend answering emails or doing stuff because people interrupt you and all of that. Well, yeah, right? Chris, just because something is important to someone else. And, and the, I love what you said there about urgent versus important, because there are a lot of times, and, and I will say that, and, and, and again, I'm not picking on my, my precious wife, but there are a lot of times that I'll say, what's urgent to you is not necessarily urgent to me. I, I appreciate the fact that you feel like that it needs to be done. But, but in the moment, where are we? Because here's the thing that happens a lot of times, Chris, and, and, and forgive me for interrupting, but I'll, I'll, you, you said something really that just dinged in my brain. A lot of times people merge urgency and importance. Because when Absolutely. they send that email, when when they make that phone call, or you get the text message, I need you to call me back right now. Then what they have said is, here, here's what they've really said. What's on my mind is more important than what you're doing in the moment. I mean, let's be honest. Let, let's be very honest. And, and again, you know, I, I'd love some feedback or pushback if, if that's not the, but that's what, that's what I hear when somebody calls me and, and I'm in the middle of something and they're like, I need you to call me back or I need you to do this or that. 
what you're what you're really saying to me is I don't care what you're doing at the moment that seems to be important to you. What I need to talk to you about is more important than it trumps everything. And so I think a lot of people, what happens, Chris, is, is I think a lot of people just go, okay, how do I continue to do what's important to me while still respecting the other person's internal sense of urgency? I hope I, I hope I've framed that that topic correctly. I want you to go there for a couple of yeah, minutes and kind of talk you absolutely, about that. You absolutely have. And they don't necessarily, they aren't necessarily like badly, you know, you know they may be well-intentioned or they're under their own deadlines and things, right? And and you can't just worry about yourself and say, you know, no, I'm taking care of myself. I'm not going to worry about your, your needs. Yeah. But you do. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, that's exactly what they're doing is taking your time that you cannot spend and doing the things that matter to you. So, you need to try and, uh, so first of all, some people actually train themselves out of it too. So they're part of the problem because they're not pushing back. You know, they're gonna jump right away or they're gonna sit there watching their their uh, email or now it's messaging, whether it's, you know, Teams or things like that, right? So you can get, uh, maybe not as the phone calls much anymore, but you can have that person trying to contact you and they're sending you the email and they're not waiting. They immediately send a message and then they're calling you, right? And so you're gonna have to probably train them or untrain them from doing that. And so we talk about like setting boundaries and you, know, you can do it, you, you, it may take some time and you do it in gentle ways, but it usually you have to think about it that way and say, okay, I please you know, understand I can't work this way. I, I want to take care of your needs as well or you know, help you out, but I can't do it either between these hours or please understand I may, uh, I'm not saying no, but I'm saying no to you right now. Hopefully, you have to get out of having that conversation because even the interrupt any interruption is a is a distraction. Yeah. But get them to you know set the boundaries and say, hey, um, send me the email. Trust that I will get to it in time, and then also trust that maybe if it really is urgent, they will actually pick up the phone and call you when it's important. Okay, so then they can get hold of you in those cases, right? But not hitting you all day long. I mean, you know, sometimes it can be an all day messaging. I've seen that happen all day, Skypes or Zooms or Slack or whatever, like a messaging all day long. How do you work under that? I mean, you can't, and that's, it's gotten worse over time in that way. So setting those boundaries with the other people, because if they don't know, how can they change their behavior too? They may say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we can work that out. Maybe they won't all react that way, but you have to try if they don't know they can't work with you. Well, and then the other thing that, is, Chris, let me yeah. let me jump in here. If you've set mm -hmm. that that email, let, let's say you get that email. What I was thinking as you were talking about that is, you know, you have in 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 depending on the email that server that you use, you can as you time block, you could probably say, "Hey, good morning." From 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., I've time blocked to work on some personal or to work on some projects. If you're sending me an email and you get this response, know that I've I've received your email. I'll be more than happy to to respond to it in the time that I have blocked off, which is you know let's say one to three, and you might even could put that in a, in an in an out of you know sort something like to an out right, of office responder out of office exactly to yeah. to, a, to a reply like that. I've got to ask you this. I, I've got to ask you this, and, and forgive me for jumping in there. I just 
you're dinging a lot of things in, inside. And, I, and folks, I hope- It's actually good. I hope this is dinging a lot of things in your brain as you're listening to Chris and you're listening to this conversation. Having, having, done, having written a book myself, I, I know the process and things like that. Was there a, a moment that you, that during your book that you wrote something and it was that aha moment for you? It was a V8 moment for you. I had several of those. Take me through a moment in your book where you actually had a V8 moment for yourself and you're like, wow, I never realized this until I, until I wrote it down. Yeah, that's a good point, which is weird because you're writing it, right? So you got the you got the words from somewhere, and and for me, the book too was was a confirmation because I I respect people who who uh, use their own process, who uh, eat their own dog food or whatever analogy or metaphor you want to use, and I want to do <laughs> like that. that. With, eat with, your own dog with, food, yeah. Eat your own dog food, right? If it's your dog food's so good, you know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know. Put your money where your mouth is. Well, a lot um, of so, people have said when we get old, that's what we're going to end up doing is because, you know, we, we've spent ourselves into oblivion. So, you know, you're not going to have anything left. Yeah. You have to eat your own dog food anyway. So I, I'm not going to do that. But I love that. Or these analogy. days, it's, it's what's left on the shelves. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> um, so, any, so uh, yeah. So, so the book was also proving that I could use these techniques and get a book done. Okay. Because, yeah, as you know. Uh, getting finishing a book is is an accomplishment and it's not it's not trivial i mean you know especially you know we try to maybe it doesn't seem like that to people but you know i mean getting doing it like getting those words down like time after time and actually finishing it i mean i know people that you know work on a book for 10 years and maybe not finish right i didn't want to do that i wanted to prove that my time blocking and those kind of things would work so i could carve out that time to myself not get interrupted and write some chapters and say, good, I did that for the day. Now move on and take care of the other things. Okay. Because life wants you to take care of those things. So it was good to get that confirmation in general that, okay, those principles were working. I think the, um, and it's cool that, um, like I said, even recently I've been getting confirmation that some of my things that were in the book and I didn't make them all up myself. Some were based on my experience, some from other, other, you know, people whose shoulders I stood on, but they get the confirmation that they were still useful, maybe more useful in the way times are getting crazy and changing. I would say the most surprising thing is how much the um, doing the one thing, and I mentioned Gary Keller before, and there's other people like Tim Ferriss to talk about, and, and I, he was one of my biggest influences and he talks about uh, what would easy look like? Because we have in our minds, and you kind of alluded to this before, we think we have to do these big long to-do lists and that's, um, that's success or that's accomplishment is um, having all this complication. And so even while I was doing it, I'm like, uh, you know, I guess maybe there's some, you know, hesitancy about can you really do more, mm -hmm. you know? by doing less. And I, and I really started, I really started to get that feeling. It's like, wow, yes, you can, I, I could feel that seeping in like during the week 
Whereas before I might be kind of sitting there, okay, I'm gonna start working now and I'm just gonna keep going until, you know, I'll, I'll eat and spend time with my family and stuff, but I'm just gonna keep going until I fall asleep. It's, oh, wow, I didn't get these things done today. You know, I gotta jump on that tomorrow. You know? Yeah, it's the power but, through mentality, Chris. You know, we, yeah. we're just conditioned to power through, right? Yeah, so what was surprising for me was starting to feel that that kind of um, sort of sense of relief or, or calmness that, okay, cool, I, I got the work done. Like getting some important stuff done today, I feel better about it. I can relax a little bit and not feel like, um, you know, just tighten, you know, a ball of kind of stress or, you know, anxiety or whatever, trying to get all the stuff done, you know, all the time. And that was... That was um, a little bit surprising to me and, and definitely welcome to feel like, yeah, because knowing that you got some stuff done, some things that, are, that move the needle are important, then you can say, well, that's cool. Now I'm less annoyed by those distractions I'll deal with later. It's like, okay, I got some good stuff done. Yeah, I'll answer the emails. I'll deal with these little things. I don't care that, you know, I've got a distraction or, you know, flat tire or whatever it is, right? It's like, okay, well, I got some good stuff done. I've got time. I don't need to, you know, to worry every minute and hour of the day what I should be doing right now, what I should do next. So no, that was kind of my uh, epiphany, I guess. I love that. And, and, and that's the note that I wrote down was focusing on what actually got accomplished rather than what didn't. Because you look at your to-do list and you go, oh, man, I didn't get that done. Oh, no, I didn't get it. And you may have 20 things on your to-do list and you got 18 out of 20 done. It's like, you know, that's 90%. That's, that's really, really good. So I love that. I would be remiss. Let's step aside, take a quick break. I would be remiss if we did not save time for Chris's story. I, I want to be intentional about making sure we've got space and room for Chris to tell his story. You're, you're, going, it's, you're going to be riveted. So just hang with us. Stay with us. My guest, Chris Lee, consultant, mindset coach, speaker, author of the book, Less is the New More. Come back and hear his powerful story in just a moment on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. I want to take a moment and tell you about my friend, Harry Spate, and his new book, Selling with Dignity. Harry has taken an age-old concept of sales, and he's put a new twist to it, and I love the direction that he's taken with Selling with Dignity. And here's what's encouraging about Harry's book. Instead of viewing people as numbers and machines, salespeople are now given the tools and the encouragement to be dignified in their approach. Here's what Harry says. He says, selling is an honorable profession when it's done right. When sellers feel Feel they're valuable and have integrity and respect. This opens the door for better conversations and eventually relationship. This book puts an end to sleazy sales tactics and proves why selling with dignity can be done and it leads to massive success. And I couldn't agree more. Go to sellingwithdignity.com, get your copy today. And if you want Harry to sign it, he'll do that for you. Again, go to sellingwithdignity.com and pick up your copy today of the new book by Harry Spate, Selling with Dignity. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional encourage your podcast Chris I, I'm gonna try my hardest not to jump in you know even though I want to ask you 18,000 questions around that you know but I want you to, to to go back as far as you want to I may jump in with a couple of questions but I want folks to hear 
your powerful story. Thank you. Yeah, and, and I, I certainly, one of the things I do encourage everybody to think about is that, that, that they do have a story and they don't often realize their story and how that might be compelling or inspirational to somebody else. So I had, I've had some, you know, feedback, some small uh, signs from the university. Well, that, okay, this is the path you should be going on, you know, helping to inspire people and so forth. But the, the big event and wake up call that I got was in, in 2008, my mother passed away pretty suddenly from a, a rare brain condition. And it, it was shocking for a couple of reasons. I mean, you know, losing a loved one or a parent or family member is, is hard for anyone. Yeah. But it was really shocking because she was as healthy as, as you and I are. And yeah. she had the genes and her side of family that she could have lived easily well into her 90s. And so I always thought, and I think a lot of us, that, you know, she's barring a car crash or something. She's going to live a long time, maybe even outlive me, okay? You know, depending on what kind of decisions I made in my life. And so it was it was really a, a wake-up call because she'd uh, worked hard all her life, both my parents did and their family, their, their ancestors, and had a really, really good work ethic. And she put off things that I know she wanted to do, like traveling, because there was that you know mindset of you, you, know, you work hard, you retire, you do some of those things, right? We know there's that approach is, is fraught, fraught with some challenges, but Again, you know, so there was every reason to believe that everything would be cool and she'd have time to do that later. Well, uh, she didn't. Okay. So things like, you know, traveling and, and, and seeing things, she didn't get a chance to do. And so the wake up call for me was that I was heading down, down the same path. So I had, I had created things that I liked to do. And one of them was playing the guitar and music that I did years ago. And over time, when I was working in corporate and so forth, that went to like zero. Okay, so I was going down the same path of things that I might want to do other than just, you know, working the, 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 the job, right? We're, we're, you know, we're going to happen. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I made the, so that really, you know, kind of shook me into action. And I said, okay, I, I can't go down that road. Uh, life, especially these days, um, is, a, you know, can be a multi-act play. And also there are just things I wanted to, to do impacts I wanted to, to maybe make. So I made a decision there that I needed to somehow figure out how to start doing that. And not necessarily overnight. You can't just, well, you could, I guess, you know, decide to leave and go, go travel the world or live in the beach or something, right? But yeah. you don't have to do that. So I, I used the principles and I started, you know, really digging into that and saying, oh, how can I, how can I get things done? And so I used use those ideas to just start doing some music. I had to like relearn how to play guitar. And then I said, okay, well, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do some singing. And then, you know, I, I recorded some music and I decided, well, okay, so I did that. Now let me go out and try like singing in public. Okay. Well, I was used to being a, a speaker and I was comfortable with that, but getting out, putting yourself out there in public and, and singing on you know, a small stage, is like a a um, terrifying experience when you first start. See, doing I don't it. know what that's like because yeah. you know, by the when when I was three years old, my dad got me up and sang in church. So from the time I was a little kid, I I had never, you know, I, I guess. And you bring up a good point. You know, for some people, it's natural. For me, it's like not no big deal. 
you know, let's get up there and do it. I've always done it. For you, it's a different thing. And, and for me, maybe something that you've always done, be like, piece of cake. For me, it'd be like, ah, I don't know about that. And, and again, it, it's just perspective. And, and I want to jump back for a minute talking about losing a parent suddenly. I know exactly what that's like. I lost my dad suddenly. You know, I, it was always like, well, you know, dad's always going to be here, you know. And, and, and you just, you miss it. When you think about the epiphany and you said, you know, hey, when that happened, I realized that I needed to get some things done that I've always wanted to do. Was there a moment where you said, though, I've wanted to do this, but I don't know if I can. Because maybe, you know, and Chris, I don't know if your mom was like my dad. My dad was the ultimate encourager. I felt like I could do anything because my dad's like, yeah, you can do it. Did you feel like that there were some things that, that you wanted to do but we're a little reticent to do. And, and how did you feel encouragement from your mom, even though your mom wasn't there? Was it the, was the encouragement for you of she didn't get to do these things. So I'm going to take the ball and run with it. I hope hope I've asked that question correctly. Yeah. And and that's, that's part of it too, of making, you know, I guess I always felt like, you know, I wanted to make an impact and make some difference and everybody does that in a certain way. And I think that kind of changed um, the definition of fulfillment or success may be changed over generations. So for my grandparents, it may have been, you know, having food on the table, right? During recessions and things like that. And for my parents, you know, they, they encouraged all of us, but it was more like, you know, getting a good job, you know, providing for yourself, having a good house and all those things, right? So they weren't, and then that, they were kind of entrepreneurs, but not explicitly. I mean, they were, you know, business owners. They didn't necessarily like encourage, you know, the, the getting out of your comfort zone and, and trying those kind of things. And, and certainly not with music. I mean, at the time it would have been like, oh, well, no, you, you, you want to be a starving artist, you know, a broke musician. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, I never tried to do that because I understand that I would be a starving artist or <laughs> broke musician. Yeah, same uh, here. I did yeah, know that. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so in a way, so they encourage me in terms of their example of having a good worth ethic, ethic and working hard. But I think what I had to learn for myself and what I've learned to teach others is to, you know, how to get out of my comfort zone as well as, you know, all the mindset things. And, you know, when I talk about mindset, uh, you know, for your, for your listeners, uh, sometimes the term is misused. Like, uh, for example, uh, on social media, you know, I've seen many times somebody with their uh, picture of their, their butt in spandex and hashtag, you know, mindset is everything or mindset matters and, you know, more power to them, but they're kind of talking about, you know, motivation and discipline. Yeah. And when I talk about mindset, what, what I mean is, okay, let's say like, you know, the the Nike slogan, just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's motivational, but to me, mindset is figuring out why you're not doing it. Okay. And you may have reasons, um, things that are blocking you. And it kind of circles back to uh, kind of what you're alluding to, like the lessons or the things you have to, uh, that you have to unpack out of that is, is, you know, mindset is doing to me that inner work to figure out um, why you're not um, aligned with what you're doing maybe, or what may be holding you back. So, so just do it as like the motivation 
but then you need to understand you know, why you're not doing it. And then you um, learn how to solve it or how to, to heal from that place. Well, and, and, you know, mindset is so powerful when you go through a situation where you lose someone suddenly. Like, like my, mm -hmm. the way I saw things, the way I looked at things changed because, you know, it was like, okay, this is now dumped in my lap, so to speak. And I, I have to think differently. I have to do, because, you know, the person that I depended on at times when I needed advice or I needed counsel, I needed, they're gone, not here anymore. So I got to kind of figure it out for myself. Chris, I'll, I'm, I've, I've, I've got to ask you this real quick. Mm -hmm. Take me through another moment in your life where, where there was an obstacle that you had to overcome. What was the biggest lesson that you learned from it? And what was your mindset as you were going through it coming through it and going out the other side because again you know the reason we do that the intentional encourager podcast is everybody's got something that they've walked through and there's that connecting moment with guest and audience where that person may be walking through something themselves that you've already gone through right and you've you, you've you've been there done that got the t-shirt so to speak and, and now right. you, you have that frame of reference. You have that mindset where you go, okay, I've already walked through this. So I know now what my mindset is if I have to walk through something similar again, or if someone asked me to, to consult or coach or advise them on that. Can you take me through another point in your life where that happened and, and the lesson you learned from it? Sure. And I will say the, uh, I could say that that same lesson applied um, in a very similar way to a couple of different scenarios. I, I talked about the musical thing. And like I said, as a speaker getting on stage, I was comfortable with that. But doing getting on stage and singing was very like intimate because I was not just on stage, I was putting my music out there, which makes you very vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So that's one scenario. And the other is like going from doing the kind of standard sort of, uh, you know, nine to five, to doing something, you know, like this, doing the kind of coaching thing. And that's, and that brings in for, for a lot of people. And I was the same, the, you know, what they call the imposter syndrome. Am I good enough? Do I need to, to do more? So whether it's music or that, it's like, I feel like I'm not good enough yet. I need to practice more. I need to learn another thing. I need to take another course or, you know, on and on, right? And so what I, I tell people, I've even said this very recently, is that more training will not get you started. Getting started is the only thing that will get you started. So you have to, to you have to, um, and again, I like to say make a commitment to yourself, but be okay with, with taking that leap. And you can take small leaps. You don't have to do something crazy overnight, but trust that taking that leap will make you grow because to your point, uh, I think you don't learn or grow really from the easy times or the, you know, the kind of mediocre times you learn from the adversity. So certainly learning a loved one, but there's all, you know, there's, you know, a thousand different ways that adversity can, can hit you and, um, and, you know, make you have to grow. Um, so, but that's, that's kind of like, um, an unplanned 
growth moment. There are the other times that I was just talking about where you have a desire, you want to make another impact, you want to do something new, but you're kind of, you can't pull a trigger, you're getting in your own way. So you need to, to you know, do some prep, but then, then put yourself out there. You're very unlikely to be, you're never gonna be perfect. You're unlikely to be even good when you start, that's okay. When you get started, that's when you will grow. You will not get started and you won't grow really by trying to learn that, learn more stuff and do more, you know, academic sort of analysis of what you're going to be. Yeah. You, you beautifully took us from that because the, the last question, as you know, the last question that I, I normally ask is give me your biggest piece of intentional encouragement, man. You just wrapped it up really nicely in just one big piece. And there was, as I was writing it down, I thought, man, that, you know, we've just gone ahead and skipped to the intentional encouragement, which was great. I love, I love how you just took us there, Chris. And, and that is so good. Let folks know how they can connect with you, how they can get the book, how they can get more of your resources. Absolutely. So the, every, um, on social media or wherever I am that Chris Lee, T H A T C H R I S L E E. So, that's me. I'm on Instagram and, and LinkedIn probably the most, but I'm on Facebook too. And my website is thatchrislee.com. So I did that and that was intentional too. I went out and, and I had to search, you know, what, uh, what domains were available and who was using what. And that was the one I found because there were a lot of Chris Lees, um, mm -hmm. not surprisingly. That one was everywhere. So that Chris Lee. And you can um, get my, find my book on, on Amazon. If you're interested in my music, uh, you can search that too, like in Bandcamp or whatever. But if you want to, if you're more interested in um, in what I do, or more about me or my uh, my platform or uh, how we might work together, then just go look at any of those things: LinkedIn, Instagram, or thatchrislee.com. And uh, you know, let's have a conversation. Thatchrislee.com. I like. I love that. I. I. You know. That. That is so good. There, there is, there's like one dude who's, there's two dudes out there named Brian Sexton. One used to be the play-by-play -play guy for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The other one was like the Michael Jordan of Irish dancing, you know, like the, the, the Irish dancing right. stuff. Right. I am neither one of those guys. <laughs> I'm neither. Chris Lee, this has been a great conversation. I have so enjoyed it. Again, go find the Me book. Too. Less is the new more on Amazon. Go to thatchrislee.com. Chris, thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Courage Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.